listening to Salam Doll, the podcast where Muslim women don't fit the stereotypes, we break them. I'm your host, Zara Pedersen. You can find this episode and the full archive of all the episodes on zarapedersen.com. Welcome to the show. Salam Doll, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And also Ramadan Mubarak to every one of you. This is so exciting. It's the first time I am doing a podcast episode during Ramadan, recording and interviewing people during Ramadan while I'm fasting. And I have to say, I was doing a a different interview um, before recording this intro for this episode. And I'm feeling the um, fasting brain at this point. It's only day one and I'm I'm feeling like the, the slowness of my brain already setting in and I absolutely cannot wait for my body to get adjusted to the fast so that I can, you know, become really organized and clear in my mind and all those things that I know happen every year after sort of like the first, I want to say like five to six days. And then you get into sort of like the swing of the fast. And then it's, you know, it feels a little bit easier and a little bit clearer and you're not as I lethargic in the mind can I say it that way um but yeah so for for now you know um please forgive me if I'm stumbling over words it's not going to happen during the actual um episode itself because I did record that um previously uh, before Ramadan um but just in this introduction at least but I just wanted to say Ramadan Mubarak to all of you I have been dreading going into this um this Ramadan this year I always dread it let's be real I, I never I'm not one of those people who look forward to you know walking around hungry and thirsty the whole day but you know I do it anyway because you know I, I'm a big girl Muslim you know I need to do it I need to show up for my religion I need to show up for my God and so sometimes that requires discipline so here we are happy about it not quite but you know we're going through through it anyway but I am not going to continue rambling on about my fasting brain I'm sure you all can relate enough as it is so I'm just going to go right ahead and introduce today's guest I have with me today Amina Muhammad Diggins. She's an American Muslim author and entrepreneur. Her best-selling book, Bashira and the Amazing Bean Pie, made history in 2019 after being adapted into a stage play by a major U.S. children's museum. Additionally, Amina is the founder of Hot and Muslim, and that is hot with H-A-U-T-E, not not H-O-T, and it's an online lifestyle brand for Muslim women. Her newest children's book, This Is Why We Pray, a story about Islam, Salah and Dua, is now available for pre-order and debuts on May 4th, 2021, just in time for Eid, which is so exciting. Amina has been featured in Essence Magazine, Huffington Post, SJ Magazine, and the Dove Self-Esteem Campaign. I am so excited to have Amina Muhammad Diggins on this podcast. So please do help me welcome her today. Amina, assalamu alaikum. How are you? Wa alaikum salam. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm really good. Just recovering from, you know, a little cold, but you know, alhamdulillah, <laughs> can't complain. Well, just- better. 
<laughs> just for anybody who's wondering, I did take the corona test. It wasn't the corona, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, Amina, I'm so happy that you agreed to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking out some time because I know you're a very busy woman. you got lots going on, honey. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love it, love it, love it. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, darling. It's like having you in Denmark right now, right? Yeah. And I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> The power of online. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Um, so I've already uh, introduced you to the listeners, but I'd l I always love for the listeners to hear about you in your own words. So would you do the honors? Well, assalamu alaikum, listeners. Uh, my name is Amina Muhammad Diggins. I'm an author, entrepreneur. I've married um, 21 years. I have two wonderful children, a uh, mom of teens. So uh, but I'm really grateful for the the human beings that they've grown up to be. Um, and I'm the author of Best Year and the Amazing Bean Pie, which uh, was adapted into a play in 2019 by the Philadelphia Police Search Museum, a collaboration with them. Um, I'm also the founder of Hot and Muslim, which is a lifestyle brand, inspirational brand for Muslim women, uh, based out of here in the United States. It's an online shop. Um, and additionally, alhamdulillah, I'll have my first traditionally published book to come out and May 4th, it's called This Is Why We Pray. And it is an Islamic book for children to uh, give them like encouragement on, on prayer and the meaning behind just for making Salat and Dua. And that will be illustrated by Aliyah Jalil, who's a famous, she's a beautiful illustrator. And I'm so excited to have worked with her on this book. So I'm excited. Wow, mashallah. I mean, you are truly keeping busy. And also, as you said to me right before we started the conversation, you just sold a company as well just last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, sitting down here and recording today. So, congratulations, mashallah. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, we had it for about 14 years as a bounce house company here in the United States and New Jersey. Uh, we serve it's like New Jersey and PA. And it was, you know, it was a great company to have. We also trained other businesses on how to open up their own bounce house, bouncy castle business in the United States. Um, but, you know, there's always seasons in your life. And I'm always about following your uh, passions and, you know, all of that. So, I'm, you know, I got to a certain age. I was like, okay, the hustle and bustle of doing 12 parties a day is like are over. So um, we um, sold it to one of our previous employees. He's a young man. He's awesome. He's 23 years old. Um, and this will be able to set him up for his life. You know, wow. so I'm grateful um, to have been able to pass down that legacy to him. Legacy is not always passing down to your own children, but being able to put something out into the world that others can benefit from your hard work. Um, so oh, I love how you say that. That's I've I've never really thought of it that way, but I love that as well. You know, it's not just about what you can do for yourself and your own. It's mm -hmm. it's a legacy is what you can give to a lot of people. You know, and I love you know how you said you know pass it on to him, and he can set his his future up from from that business, and that's such a beautiful thing to do. Mashallah, really impressive. <laughs> so um, from the sounds of it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you've always been quite a self starter and entrepreneur. Is that correct? Um, that was my background. So my father, um, if people are based in the United States or they on the East Coast, they um, he co-owned the Ali Bean Pie and also Chumpies and Homegirls Potato Chips. <laughs> so if people are, if they're like on this side of the world, they uh, may have heard of the potato chips. So I come from an entrepreneurial background, but after college, I did go to work in corporate America um, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> 
But um, I worked there for a couple years. Um, I was like a manager here in New Jersey and I got into like a, a bad car accident. Um, and I just was, I was at my desk with like heating pads and braces on my hands and back massages. Um, and I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. So I took a break from corporate America and that was 28, 19 years ago, maybe. Mm. Yeah. So that was my, um, you know, last corporate job, but I always knew that at some point I wanted to go in, back into entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, the thing about entrepreneurship is everybody has their reasons for wanting to do it. And yours, I guess, was quite influenced by your background, as you said, with your father having been in the entrepreneur side and doing something for himself. What was your thoughts going into it in the first place? I mean, the thing is, like, looking from the outside into your business, um, it seems like you're kind of taking a bit of a direction towards wanting to influence children and guide children and sort of be there, you know, both with the play and with the books and things like that, you know, also the bounty house. <laughs> and the bouncy house. You know how you don't really get a chance to, when you're inside of your life, you don't see the patterns, but when you come out of it, you're like, oh yeah, I've always, I guess, been child focused or, um, generational focused. So um, my mother, Amelia Hammers in her soul and her paradise, she always wanted to be a children's book author. Um, that was one of her like lifelong dreams, but she never got a chance to do that, um, mashallah. So when I got the idea to write, I was mostly thinking of helping her fulfill her legacy. Um, so I went into it looking at that, but then I just always wanted to, um, Make an impact on uh, generate on children and how they are able to live them live their lives as they get older. Because so I think representation is really really important. When I was growing up, we didn't have children's books that looked like brown Muslim nothing. You know, I think we had like a few books. One of them were was the uh, Ezra Jack Keats series. He was a, a famous um, children's book author in the United States. Um, I think I'm not sure he wasn't he wasn't um, black, but a lot of his stories were based on black characters. So we had we read all of those books, but for the most part, you know, see Tom and Dick and Dane Jane run, you know, there weren't any. So I was um, thankfully there are a lot of amazing uh, children's books uh, out now that our children can be able to say, okay, they have an array of 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 stories that they can see themselves in. So I wanted to be a part of that. Um, so that was my passion for writing children's books, a purpose for writing children's books. That's so sweet. I mean, I love that, you know, like you said, you tried to fulfill her like dream of becoming an author by doing it yourself. That's a really noble way of of wanting to achieve something, you know, not necessarily just for yourself, but actually trying to do it for somebody else. That's very, very sweet. I just I wanted to, to say that because that's an amazing story. Um, but the thing is, you know, you haven't just written one book <laughs> for children. Is it three or four? Um, it is. So um, this May, inshallah, will be my third. Yes. Will be your third. Mm -hmm. So I mean, um, maybe there was a little hook in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, after the first one, I, I, it was just a great joy being able to one, write something and then see it tangible in life. You know, so first it's in your mind, it's on your heart and to actually see it in life and also see the response of children and parents while they're reading the book. My first book was called There Is Greatness In Me. And, you know, I would see like parents like call me up. Well, not call me, but they would like take pictures and 
uh, like this is my daughter and she's repeating the words before she goes to bed, there's greatness in me. Um, or for uh, character day for school, the kids dressed up as Bashir and the Amazing Bean Pie. So that brings me like eternal joy, you know? So, um, you know, initially it was to uh, fulfill my mom's dream. But as I got started, I was, of course, we all know that, you know, I'm a byproduct of her. So, you know, some of her dreams and aspirations, you know, also passed down to me. So, but seeing that and being able to take part in, uh, a children's uh, molding. Like I, I know when you like molding of children and how they see themselves and how they fit into the universe um, is really important to me. So I was excited. I'm excited and, and grateful. I'm mostly, mostly grateful. Yeah. And I think it is exactly as you said, you know, being able to mold and inspire and, and bringing it back to, you know, when you were growing up and when I was growing up, th there was a huge lack of representation. So I grew up here in Denmark as well. So, you know, very white dominant Christian country, you know, there wasn't a lot of Muslims or brown people in the media or in the books or anywhere. And it was certainly also something that I missed, you know, um, my dad would, um, until I think until I was like 13, 14 probably, would read to us. Um, I would share a room with my two sisters. That's how we do because we didn't have a room. <laughs> we didn't live in a big place. We lived in a flat, right? And my brother would come in. He'd have his own room. And then my dad would bring in the books and read for us. And it would be, you know, Tolkien and like uh, Hans Christian Andersen books and stuff. And they were all really good fun. But there was mm -hmm. never like that thing where he could bring it in and be like, this is Aisha and Aisha's going to, you know, <laughs> Aisha's doing her wardour now, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it because at the time I didn't feel like I missed something. Mm -hmm. But I can definitely see how not having that representation has had an impact on yeah. me and, and sort of how I look at the characters and fiction today, yeah. you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that what you're trying to do? Um, uh, in part, definitely. Um, I just want children to feel good when they read my stories and to feel good about themselves. So I think that, um, at any point, you know, and also to see maybe children who are, I got, I did a reading at a Turkish school and it was, um, mostly all the children were from Turkish background. And I was reading Bashir and the Amazing Bean Pie, which is about an African-American Muslim family. And it was just a wonderful to, um, share another part of the Ummah with, um, you know, Muslims, we come from different, you know, cultural backgrounds and to be able to see different cultures appreciate, um, you know, a different aspect of Islamic culture was really, really cool. So I think that in part for me, not only is it for the child who may identify with the character, but also for a broadening of, um, a spectrum for the person who may not necessarily be Muslim or may not necessarily be black. But to say, oh, I'm enjoying a, a book about children and it's just really cool to just kind of read the book. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also one of the things with literature, isn't it? That you don't necessarily have to have the same ethnicity. Um, there's still like that relatability to the character. And especially as children, again, it's just, it's the little things, you know, the fact that the character will say, Salaamu Alaikum, instead of, hi, how are you? Exactly. Or, or something like, you know, it's the little things that actually make you feel included in something, right? I mean, I, that was also the reason why I wrote my book that is not for children, though, but, you know, for for the younger woman or for women in general, 
Um, but one of the things that that inspired me to write the book was growing up in the in my teen years. You know, I I grew up with Bridget Jones. I grew up with Sex and the City. I missed seeing like those characters, but ethnic and Muslim. Yeah. It looks different, and it's the same when you're a kid. You know, I didn't grow up with Christmas the way that my friends grew up with Christmas. I grew up with Aid. Mm-hmm. You know, and those differences that make you feel like you're not quite the same. <laughs> not quite. Yeah. The same. yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it does something, you know, there's like these little, I forgot who said it was, but like little um, paper cuts, you know, as when you're going through childhood and you're like, you're fine, everything's great. And you get a little paper cut where you're like, oh, I don't feel included, but it's just a paper cut. So you keep going. And then you go through life and you're at work and everybody's doing something. They don't include you in something because you're a little different and there's another paper cut. So these little cuts and, you know, little scrapes and bruises have little effects, have have effects on our lives um, when we become adults. So I think that addressing some of those paper cuts and being able to put Band-Aids on them or, you know, allows us to have be a more, more um, well-rounded and more whole people as we get older. So I think it is important to acknowledge um, that it is important not only for the person who identifies as, you know, a minority, but for the majority to understand that there are other people in the world that don't believe as they do, who look different than they do, and to appreciate those cultures and um, different uh, ways of being as well. Yeah, and I, I really want to talk into that because I do think it's very important and also very, very interesting because I, I love how you said it, you know, it's it's the little paper cuts and yeah, obviously like a paper cut might sting a bit as you mm-hmm. get it, but it heals quickly, you, you go on with your life, you're not like impaired in any way, but mm-hmm. the truth is you keep getting them, you know, exactly. you keep getting those reminders, you're not like us, you're not like us, you're not like us, you're different, you're different, you're different mm-hmm. um, and you're not included and, and however it might look to you, we can't pronounce your name, make it simple for us you know <laughs> my name is not even Zara my name is Fatma Azhara you wow. know I'm Zara because you know they I, couldn't I me. Yeah. But, but I'm the one who has to dumb my name down right I'm the one who has to make it simple for other people Alhamdulillah, you know, Zara is also a beautiful name and I, I'll take it. But but the point is just that we are the ones who are constantly trying to sort of, okay, it's fine. Okay, it's fine. Okay, it's fine. But the truth is it does have an impact later on, you know. And so the, the, uh, the diversity and the importance of the diversity from childhood then all of a sudden becomes far more important because it's something we weren't aware of that to, to feel like the in, inclusive uh, the inclusivity you know to feel that you're included to feel that you know that I'm not that different yeah I think that it's I mean I was in Target the other day and I saw like advertisements that have Muslim women on on the billboards in Target and you like you watch television there's a Sprint commercial telephone commercial for a Muslim woman is in it and so a Coca-Cola commercial so I think that um advertisers and even if it's just based on the bottom line like we, you know they you know they want to make a profit so they want to exclude different people um you know they see the trends and stuff like that so but I I know that it is definitely different from 5 10 years ago like even though we went through different tragedies for, you know, um, to be seen, you know, in the mainstream, like, you know, there have to have been, you know, discrimination and people being abused and, you know, uh, masjid, um, you know, bombings, stuff, you know, like, but we're making progress. I think that we're making progress because 
there's more representation in the mainstream than there has ever been before. And I'm really grateful for that. And how important is it that that representation comes from Muslims themselves? No, it's <laughs> the thing is. So, like, could could Jane Smith write a book about being Muslim? Could she write I, a book about a little black girl? And I think that is <laughs> they um having something in your own voice. That's like called own voices. Where yeah, it's cool. There's so many books written by non-black authors about the black experience. And you don't know that they're written by them until you have a take a look. You Google the author, like, wait, Jessica, who's this? You know, <laughs> um, same thing for Muslim children's books. There's a lot now, and I'm grateful that there's like um, a watchdog, you know, organizations where they can go through these books, and a lot of them are poorly written. You know, they're like, you know, you know, this. <laughs> it's just a lot of them are when they're not written by um, Muslim authors, and the publisher doesn't do their homework. And they just want to kind of throw a book out there. Here's Ramadan, you know, and it's it's it does a disservice to our community instead of just hiring within from the, within the Muslim community so they can give an accurate depiction of our holidays, of our 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 um, customs, whatever it is, as opposed to just putting something out there to satisfy quota. Um, and I, you know, it's it is disheartening when you come across books like that, um, but. I am also equally as um, happy to have seen so many Muslim authors um, being able to, if, if, if you can't get a book deal with a traditional published author, um, traditional publisher, then you can always do the self-published route. Um, yeah. So I'm grateful that, um, and if we got to keep pushing, got to keep pushing the envelope. And I think, yeah. you know, even though in the past there have been like not own voice authors, you know, you keep doing what you got to do. You keep making those connections. You keep submitting uh, manuscripts um, to make sure that our voice is out there and not give up. Because when we give up, you know, it's not, it, we have a duty to make sure that um, our voice is heard. Like, I don't think there's an uh, no, there's not an option. It's not an option to give up. We have to yeah. always work together. We have to always push the envelope, make sure that we have a seat at the table and when we're at the table, make sure that we speak. So I think that for me is really, really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the question why why I ask is because um, obviously I think now with with people with with Muslim people becoming or or how do I want to say this with cool. more, and more Muslim women getting a voice. What did you say? Becoming cool because Islam is becoming. Well, yes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I think sometimes it's like there's a little bit of, um, you know, in the Muslim world, at least I feel like sometimes there's a little bit of caution around it. Like, oh, can we trust it? Are they just doing it because they want that token hijabi? You know, like like how, you know, um, well, you know, in, 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 in um, Danish, uh, I think, is it Danish law? Oh, I can't. Please don't quote me on this because I could be saying it completely wrong. But I think there's a law that says you have to have, you know, certain minorities. You have to have a certain amount of women, blah, 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 in certain companies over a certain size. Gotcha. Right. So that means that, you know, by default, they have to hire so that they can have that token number of people that, you know, people would want to see. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes where I'm thinking. Oh gosh, is that what's happening? Like with the with the movies, with uh, you know books, with fashion? Is it just because they needed a token person? <laughs> you yeah, know? like you always ask yourself. Like I was watching, we were watching Spider Man Homecoming. I love Marvel, so anything they put out, I'm like a fan of it. So <laughs> the Muslim girl that was in, um, she didn't have any speaking parts, but she was a part of the movie, and that 
was groundbreaking breaking for me. Like my daughter loves Spider-Man and we watched the movie. She was like, oh, a Muslim girl. So even if it's seen as just tokenism, um, it still pushes the envelope and it still makes that person who does, who knows nothing about quotas, who knows nothing about, um, you know, you know, numbers to say, oh, that is really cool to see, you know, a Muslim or Brown or whatever it is present represented. And I think that, um, you know, as adults, we can get into the numbers and, and, and quotas and all that stuff. But for kids, they're just like excited to see themselves represented. And I think that's important. Yeah. And it is really more for the kids than the adults at the end of the day, even in movies, it is just about growing up feeling like you're included rather yeah. than, you know, like, um, well, I guess, no, when I grew up, I did have Jasmine, Princess Jasmine from Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even though, you know, it was so far away from anything that felt Arabic to me. Like, <laughs> she looks more Indian than she looks Arabic. I mean, she's a beautiful princess, but I don't feel like she's representing me. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, it's just the, the, the idea of feeling like you're a part of something and that your culture is represented, even if it's not the exact culture yeah. perhaps that you're kind of going into yeah. do you think also that because there's not you know a ton of material out there especially for children in, in children literature around um you know uh the diversity around religion and and the color of someone's skin that that helps a book more or do you think it makes it even more difficult to come out with a book like that um I think it depends on the company um, that you are um, partnering with, or if you're doing self-published, like I did over best year in the Amazing Bean Pie. It was a great success, and I think in part because there weren't any other books like that that focused on um, like Bean Pie, which is like a famous African American Muslim food. So I think the novelty of it made it a much more successful. Had it just been a book about, I don't know pizza or something like that. You know, so I think that there's always, whenever there's something novel, um, you know, from a marketing standpoint, depending on the size of the audience, there's always going to be a greater um, chance of it being successful um, just because there's not anything else out there like it. So I think that, you know, when it comes to like market saturation and all that stuff, um, it is important for us to keep, you know, putting books that are novel ideas um, out there and not just, you know, in the beginning, we had a lot of books about like hijab. We got a lot of books about Ramadan and stuff like that. But as, uh, the genre grows, we're going to see more books. Um, like we had mommy's Kimar. I love that book. It was just a little girl who's playing dress up in her mother's closet with her, you know, so you have, um, a much more nuanced, um, story than just, Oh, you know, I'm wearing hijab. You know, but even though those books are really great too, but just as the genre grows, there's going to be much more room for different ideas and themes and stuff like that. Yeah, so you kind of had to like, like, like in the literature, and I guess also like in the movies and everything that we're doing around being Muslim and being represented. You know, you have to kind of move past the whole traditional uh, structural idea of what it is to be Muslim. Like Ramadan. Uh, yeah hijab the beard for the men you know like right. it's like okay you know <laughs> <All right. laughs> like, 
there, there are nuances to it exactly. and there are nuances to the stories you know it can be a love story it can be a story exactly. about creating your own business it can be a story about a struggling author it can have very little yes. to do with the religion itself Absolutely. but Absolutely. more the fact that we can see that she maybe is wearing a hijab but we never mention it don't mention <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we don't need it to be mentioned. We don't need it to be explained. <laughs> I absolutely cannot wait for it to go to I that point. I can't wait. And I think I read a um a coming of age story called Love from A to Z from S K Ali, and uh and it was so fabulous because it was about um you know she was traveling to I think it was Qatar and she met this boy on the airplane. And she she had a scarf on, but it was like, and she was like, is he Muslim or he looks kind of? And he says, and she's like, you know, so it goes through like a, it's a coming of age story. It's a love story. Um, so I think for me, I just was like, this is so adorable. So I mm. think we have more stories like that. Um, and there was a lot of so many great authors that are writers that are getting a chance to be published. And I'm just like, I'm here for all of it. Like, I'm excited. Yeah, no, I absolutely can't wait for it. Um, I kind of want to move a little bit and talk about the play because your book was also then became a play, right? Yes. Uh, in Philadelphia? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about how that happened? Yeah. So um, uh, the Police Search Museum um, in Philadelphia is, I guess, one of the top five children's museums in the United States. Um, and they were doing a um, an exhibit called uh, Islam from A to Z from America to Zanzibar. And one of the um, associated like exhibits for that year long installation was Bashir and the Amazing Bean Pie. So I had did a reading a year before at the museum from Bashir and the Amazing Bean Pie. And then a couple months later, they emailed me and said, uh, would you be interested in turning this into a play? And I was like, oh, of course. Yes, yes, let me sign the contract. <laughs> So we, you know, negotiated the contract. Um, we went through a whole like months of writing this, the um, the screen, not called screenplay, I guess, writing the play, screenplay. Not I forgot what it's called. I think it's just a manuscript, isn't it? A script. Yeah. So writing the script with um, the head of their theater department, and that was just a glorious process. Then we went through casting. You know, so I was like Simon Cowell behind the table, like, no, darling. You know, so. <laughs> I, for some reason, I'm struggling to see you in that picture. I'm more like, Paul Abdul, maybe. Oh, yes, I, was like, I was definitely Paul Abdul. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but it was just a beautiful, surreal experience. And then we had, you know, rehearsals and um, we had a stage manager. Did The way they took the script and then brought it to life, it was just, I can't even, and the, the very first, we had it, um, for members, members only showing. So we had like museum members, they came in and were able to see the show ahead of time. And people were crying. Like, I, I mean, because of the story. So the story, the play story took uh, place. It was a little girl named Bashira. And for for culture day at her school, everybody was supposed to bring us their cultural food. And she wanted to bring bean pie. And her friends started to make fun of her. Like, what's bean pie, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it was a friend, the story is about two friends. One's named Fatima. She was um, uh, from Indo-Pak um, heritage. And then her best friend was was Bashira, who was African-American. They're both Muslim. And her Bashira um, finding herself and finding the, the self-confidence 
and making her bean pie, sharing it with the, the class and Fatima coming over and their friendship, um, them mending their friendship because Fatima was making fun of Bashir. Like, what's that's funny? You know, like, what's a bean pie? So together they made the bean pie together. They made the biryani together. Um, and then they presented it to the class and it kind of showed um, a friendship um, between two Muslims who came from different cultural backgrounds and they were in a um, a school with other kids of different cultural backgrounds and how at the end of the story, uh, at the end of the play, it said, we are one Ummah, um, we are one nation, we are one people. Um, and to tell the story of Fatima of Bashira and Fatima, you know, in your communities and what can you do in your community to make a difference? And so the majority of the people who saw the play were non-Muslim, they were non-Black, they were non-Arab, um, and it was a chance to showcase that Islam is not just one culture or one, you know, it's not just like, oh, everybody eats baklava, you know, like, yeah. so it was really important for me to get that message out and to understand that we're all people. And if you're Muslim or non-Muslim, we are all one Ummah. We are all descendants of Adam, you know, like, and um, we treat each other with respect. And we, uh, the more we can know about each other, we can love each other. And if we can love each other, then we can live together. You know, and I think that, um, and we must know each other. So I think that for me, that was a real turning point where I was like, I pray that Allah uses me to do more things like this because seeing, looking out in the audience and doing like the author talkbacks after the shows, we had to think about 114 shows. And the last one, um, one of the shows, one of the madrasas in our community, they went out to see it. And it was like the elder women and men in the community also came out to see it. And they were just crying afterwards. Like we, I didn't have anything like this when we were younger. And I so thank you. Amina for doing this and having this book and being able to showcase um, us as American Muslims in the media like this. So I think that for me, that was, um, it was a really emotional and a moving time, you know? Um, and so I was, I'm just a grateful. gift as well from Allah, you know, to give you that opportunity and be like, you are the one who's going to, you know, help bring this message forward and, you know, inspire these people to be better. You know, that is an amazing gift, you know, an amazing blessing from blessing from Allah. And what a what a wonderful responsibility. You yeah. know. Yeah. What a wonderful responsibility. And I think that um as we grow, like I think that it's important for us as women to listen to our inner voices and to if we have something on our heart to ask Allah for guidance and not to be afraid because there were points when writing the book, when I was like, no one's going to want to read about bean pie. No one's going to buy this book. You know, why are you writing this? This is stupid, Amina. You know, like you have these um, inner turmoil or conversations where you're doubting yourself, but that's just shaitan. You just say, okay, no, no, no. I'm going to press, press forward. This is going to be amazing. I know that my heart's in the right place. It's going to be okay. You know, woo woo woo, give yourself a hug <laughs> and you know, you know, press forward, inshallah. So I think that um you know and I, I really wanna make a point, you know, this is this is a self-published book, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I really want to just really stress this to the listeners. You know, you don't need, you know, a big publisher to stand behind you and validate your words or your work. You know, if you have a message, bring it out there because you never know who will receive it. And, you know, I mean, this, this is such a beautiful example of, you know, you just following your heart, following that intuition that Allah gave you and seeing this, this work through publishing it and then someone looking at it and being like, I need to help bring this to more people, you know. And yeah. you would never have thought that. Never have thought. Not in a million years. Not in a million years because there's always like the stigma around, um, you know, self-published that, oh, it's not a real, whatever it is. But it gave me the freedom because I owned the work. Mm. So, but had I had to go back, you know, there's always opportunity with both things. There's, you know, a regular published book, traditionally published, and then self-published. There's always... Um, you know, pros and cons of each, but the pro was it was that I owned the work and I was able to do with it as I please. So I didn't have to go back and say, do I have the right to produce this play? I just asked myself, Amina, do you have the right to produce the play? Yes, you do. All right. <laughs> so it was, um, it gave me that freedom. And that's why I was, um, you know, I was grateful um, to have been able to do that. So I think that is, if you have something on your heart, just, just do it, just do it. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. And also because we never know what the greater plan of it is, because now you see, you know, your next book is going to come out on May 4th uh, of this year. You know, that's pub being published through, yeah. uh, you know, publishers and that's not self-published anymore. But you do have, you know, two more books that you did publish yourself before that, prior to that, that kind of opened some doors for you later on right um Absolutely. so you've been stubborn and been like no but my first book must be published through you know, a traditional yeah. publishers yeah. maybe you wouldn't even have got anything at this point maybe I would, you know because i would have been like probably so beat up in the process yeah, well, yes <laughs> exactly so really honestly you know i love i'm just loving the story and i just love that you know it can really inshallah hope, help somebody out there sitting there listening thinking oh, i don't know if i should do it <laughs> do it Think about it after. Do it first. Think about it after. <laughs> to, um, we're coming up on time a little bit, and and I really actually also want to speak into your other company. How do you spell it? H A U T E. H A U T E and Muslim M U S L I M. Because that one is also. I mean, I, you're really moving in a direction where, to me, it's just so obvious that you're trying to influence inclusivity. Yes. In the market, wherever you can. And I, I freaking adore you for it. Can you just explain to us a little bit about that company? So Heart and Muslim is a lifestyle brand for Muslim women. We have hoodies, T-shirts, um, mugs, pillows, phone cases um, that focus on our faith as Muslim women and inspiration. So it's coupled motivation and faith together. Um, so one of our products says she believed she could, so she did, but it's a, a silhouette of a Muslim woman, a Muslim mm -hmm. woman. Um, and then we have uh, Salam Gorgeous is one of <laughs> is one of our um, designs as well. It's for like an overnight bag. Um, then we have, um, what is it? We, I'm the answer to my ancestors dua. Um, then we have, she prayed, she worked, she received, she believed she received. So it's all focused on motivation um, mm. and being able to be able to look at your wall or the for wall art or have a beautiful pillow in your office um, or a mug that you drink your morning coffee out of. 
that gives you that added inspiration on, on top of what you're telling yourself um, so that you can say, oh, what, you know what? You go, sis, you know, and, yeah. you know, it's it's something beautiful. So I'm really excited about the company. It's in its infancy. Uh, we just um, launched last May 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. So our first <laughs> shipments went out uh, right before um, the end of Ramadan, like during 2020. And this is our coming up on our one year anniversary. So I'm really, really excited. So it's haultandmuslim.com, H-A-U-T-E. And A and D Muslim M U S L I M, um, and also on Instagram, um, you know, as Hot and Muslim at Hot and Muslim on Instagram. I absolutely, I absolutely adore you for this. I adore anyone who really wants to try and get, you know, um, the diversity in just like things that we don't really think about because you know, yeah, I can go down to the local, you know, groceries, the big grocery shop market thing, and buy a mug that says Queen on it or whatever, and it's fine. You know, I'm not saying anything's wrong with it because they are also cute and they're pink. They got the little gold frostings, whatever. Yeah. But there's something very specific. If I found, you know a mug that said queen with a little crown and the gold frosting and it or if I said one that said you know muslima I would 100% go towards muslima mug exactly. and, and and that's just because I'm biased and I love to feel represented I know I also call myself a queen from time to time but I'm first muslima yes <laughs> and yep. so it's the it's the feeling of oh I'm acknowledged I'm seen someone's mm-hmm. seen oh, Yes. <laughs> and as you said, you know, looking, looking around your home and being able to, you know, as I as I said very poorly at the beginning or before we started recording, you know, people go out and they buy these like frames or posters at IKEA or wherever they buy them from that says "Live, Laugh, Live, Laugh, Love" or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's nice and cute and whatever. But if you can have a poster that yeah. says something, you know, like a nice little dua, yes. you know. And- it also looks cute and minimalistic, you know, very boho chic, whatever it might be. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it feels nice. It feels nice. Yeah, absolutely. It feels nice. Um, and I like every two weeks or so we we put out different designs. Um, so we have a slew of like Ramadan and Eid designs. So we have uh Tarawi Essentials, which is like in a like a large water flask. I saw that one. Yeah, that was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tarawi Fuel. That's the, yeah. I love that one. And then we have an overnight bag that's like Tarawi uh, Essentials. You can put like your prayer rug and your Quran and everything in that. Um, so it's my creativity outlet too. So it also, um, just when I get an idea that pops in my head, I'm like, oh, that would be a really cute tote. That would be a really great pillow. And I can immediately, you know, go ahead and start designing and, you know, being able to put it out on the website. So it, it makes me happy and I'm grateful to um to make other women happy. Like they say, I got my mug in the in the in the in the you know in the mail or my t-shirt came and uh, like it's a um baddest umi in the game is one of the <laughs> so, <laughs> sweet. Yeah, just, I'm really excited about it and um I'm grateful to be um of service to our I, I gotta ask because I know that so many of the listeners are gonna think like, do you ship worldwide? <laughs> um, not currently. So right now we are only doing free shipping in the United States. Um, I still have to work out the worldwide piece. Um, my goal is to be able to offer world, worldwide shipping by the end of 2021. But right now we're just um, US based. Um, but I know that we have a lot of uh, women who like in Canada and the UK. And they're like, 
when are we gonna be able to get this? So I am working on it. Um, I'm, you know, prayerfully, inshallah, by the end of this year. Inshallah, that would be great. Just to round up, um, you know, again, because you are on this amazing journey as a self-made woman here and just doing all these amazing things. Is there a mission behind all of this? You know, that's combining everything that you do when you set up a new company. What is the mission that, that goes through your mind? Um, I guess it's twofold. One, I just want to get to gender. Like everything that I do, I'm like, Ola, make this be, make this a little bit me closer to securing my home in the in the Accra. So I think one, and also I want to, you know, make an impact on the world. I don't want my existence to be in vain, to have been in vain. Like I don't want to just have been like took up space, breathed in air, you know, littered and died. You know, I want to have said, okay, I made the world, you know, a little bit better. I made it a little bit easier for people coming after me, whether it be my children or my grandchildren or whatever it is, or just peep the ummah of the world in general, just made it a little bit easier because I think that the more that I show up for um, myself and show up for our community, um, it just it makes it easier for the next person to do the same. So when you, when someone can see that you're doing this, whether it be a little person or a teenager is like, you know what? I can be an author if I wanted to, or I can start a business if I wanted to, or I could, you know, whatever they wanted to do that perhaps they were inspired by us adults who were doing the work. I think that it makes all the difference. And, and, but my end goal in Ashola is to be able to, you know, on the last day, you know, when all of us will have to answer for what we've done, I pray that um, what I have done in this life um, secures my my spot in the Akhara, inshallah. MashaAllah, that is absolutely beautiful. And and I'll keep you in my duas. And I'm sure that um, many of the listeners will do the same for you as well, that, that your business can help influence uh, not only the next generations here on, on this dunya, but also um, the influence of... of your spot in gender in the next <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're coming up on time, unfortunately, but uh, Amina, um, I want to give the cha- the listeners a chance to connect with you elsewhere. So where should they go and find you? Where should they go and get your books to get a nice mug? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so the best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm uh, Amina underscore Diggins. So D-I-G-G-I-N-S. So it's Amina. A-M-E-E-N-A-H underscore Diggins, D-I-G-G-I-N-S. Um, also, um, you'd find all my books on Amazon. Uh, so Bashir and the Amazing Being Pie is prime, so you can get it in two days if you order today. Uh, and also for Hot and Muslim, you go to hotandmuslim.com or on Instagram at hotandmuslim, H-A-U-T-E and Muslim. Beautiful. And we're obviously going to link uh, everything in the show notes for you guys. So obviously go and give Amina a follow over on the socials and then go and order a copy of her books. You're not going to want to miss out. It is absolutely amazing. Amina, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and for sharing your story. I know for a fact that there are so many women out there right now who are so inspired by your journey. Mashallah. Thank you so much. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I will um, see you, if not over on Instagram, then definitely over on Clubhouse. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for your time. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam.
Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. If you want to connect with me elsewhere, you can find the links to my socials on zarapedersen.com. Before you go, I'd love it if you could leave me a review or tell a friend about the podcast. And if you're new here, you might as well subscribe. You'll be back. I know it. You know it. There's no point in delaying the commitment. Welcome to the sisterhood, babe. Until next time, please don't forget to live in love. Love.